irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to On the Couch with Dr. Michelle, right here on LA Talk Radio. Dr. Michelle Cohen, and you are officially on the couch here on LA Talk Radio, as you always are, every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, in our part of the world, with the wildfires. I don't know what the heck is going on here. Well, I do, but that's a whole other psychiatric topic that we're going to get into. Hopefully I won't have to next week because all of the fires will be put out here in the Los Angeles and Southern California areas. Uh, But welcome, everybody. Didn't mean to start off on a downer note, but that's what everybody asks me who calls me from uh, out of town or out of the country, for that matter. How you doing with the fires? And my special guest asked me that first off. And uh, so thank you all for your support. Thanks for calling me and all your wishes and concerns we're doing okay. We have an amazing uh, amount of Southern California firefighters and Northern California who are really managing, finally getting a handle and containment on some of these uh, wildfires going on. So uh, thank you for your blessings, guys. Really appreciate it. So let's get rocking here with our topic today. One of my favorites, <laughs> I mean, probably the favorite that I like to talk about. And darned if my guest did not write an amazing book on it. You know, a lot of patients who come to see me, they make a joke by saying, so, uh, so where's your magic wand to wave over my head so I can feel better about my life and myself? <laughs> or they say, what can you do to make these miserable people around me at work and in my family get a clue and stop being so difficult? Another common one is, why do I keep beating myself up? Even though I know that I do pretty well in my life, why, why do I do this? Why, what's wrong with me? It's like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you gotta change your thoughts. You gotta change up a little bit. And that's what we're going to be talking about because you know, life can be challenging and, and it's really easy to feel trapped by our circumstances and our personal history and conditioning and our daily struggle to change. But what if we could break free from these constraints? Well, you know, that's what we're talking about today if you follow a lot of my social media because there is an emerging worldview. It's providing us with a path to achieve just that. You guys know what I'm talking about. I've talked about it before, quantum physics. Really, it real reveals a world that's extraordinarily interconnected and exists in a state of pure potential. And we can live in that condition as well. So this is what we're talking about today, a revolutionary new approach to integrating the core principles of quantum theory, potentiality, and uncertainty 
into an accessible and practical method for your own empowerment, guys. So you say, yeah, yeah, I've heard about quantum physics and doppelgangers and all that. (laughs) I need to tell you guys what we're learning from psychiatrists, physicists, scientists, neurologists, is that our brains are a magnificent machine that can allow us to change our bodies, nonetheless learn how to utilize a new way of thinking in our everyday lives and change those things around us. So, without further ado, let me uh, introduce my special guest, who is a psychotherapist, marriage counselor, author, speaker, seminar leader in private practice in Westport, Connecticut. He's also in Manhattan for more than two decades. He's been there and uh, earned his LCSW from Columbia University. And he has a Master's of Philosophy from Lancaster University in England. He's written over 100 articles for Psychology Today, and uh, he blogs prolifically, contributing regularly to his uh, A Shift of Mind blog. It's amazing. You guys have to get onto it. We'll tell you how you can do that as well. Um, So my special guest is uh, psychotherapist Mel Schwartz. We're talking about his latest book, The Possibility Principle, How Quantum Physics Can Improve the Way You Think, Live, and Love. Hi, Mel. How are you? <laughs> good. Good morning, Michelle. I'm excited to be with you today. Oh, well, you're you're an amazing guy, um, and and I want you to share with our listeners how you've combined your therapies and all that you do for as long as you have done and all of your knowledge into this book that is called the Possibility Principle and it's just the word possibilities is <laughs> is a wonderful thing. And, you know, I always like to ask my special guests where they got the inspiration, uh, you know, to writing this and, and creating this magnificent work for everybody to learn from. So what, what inspired you? Well, I felt that if I didn't write this book, my life would have been incomplete mm. for, for several decades. Um, I've been living out my most recent defining moment. Hmm. You know, those moments where our life turns in a new direction. Yes. And for me, that occurred 20-some-odd years ago. Hmm. Um, I was in a uh, personal crisis. I had just um, started the divorce process, Hmm. and on one given weekend, I woke up and my children with their mom that weekend, which was unusual. They typically lived with me. Right. And it was a beautiful day, and I went out for a bike ride. And in the middle of that bike ride, I began to experience an anxiety attack. Uh-oh. I was missing them. I was perhaps frightful about my future. And I turned around and rode the bike back home. And when I got to the house, I absentmindedly put, pulled a book out of the bookshelf. It was called The Turning Point. Hmm by Fritjof Capra, a quantum Mm. physicist. Mm. And I started to read about this worldview shift. In those days, we called it a paradigm shift. Right. Where there was a new emerging reality in which, as you mentioned, reality looked inseparable and full of possibility and potential. And I noticed about 15 or 20 minutes into reading, I was no longer feeling anxious. Wow. Well, that started me down the path which hasn't stopped. Mm. So over the years, I began to shift my thinking, my beliefs, so they would be in alignment with these new principles of reality. 
I integrated into my therapy practice. I gave talks on all these topics. And so what inspired me to write this book is I needed to really consolidate it all into one accessible, relatively easy way to understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't have lived with myself if I hadn't written the book. Wow. That is, I mean, a lot of people say, I should do this. I really need to do this. But you did it. So, yeah, well, I think, I think that what happens in our lives is, you know, we, we have the intention often, I should. Right. But what's lacking is the willfulness. Mm. We need to put willfulness alongside of intention. It's kind of like being out at sea and you, you <laughs> put the, uh, the sail up. Yeah. That's your intention to move. Yes. But without wind in the sail, you don't move. So for me, willfulness is the wind in the sand, in the sail. And, and otherwise, I have all this list of should-tos, and I remain frustrated, and I never make the changes I need to. I, I agree with you. That's, that's lovely. And um, just, you know, a side note, a lot of people, of course, who are into the law of attraction, sort of a lot of similar concepts, sort of, kind of. But, you know, there's this belief that, um, you know, I just have to really image it and feel it powerfully within my body, what I want to manifest, and I don't have to take much action. It's just how my vibration is and how I feel and I'm elevating. And, you know, it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> you you got to take know, I, action. I, I am not a fan of those quick fix <laughs> right. solutions yes. because they leave us inert just wishing and hoping for right. change. That's right. We, we have to come out of the place of being inert, mm. overcome our avoidance of uncertainty. Yes. And that permits us to really create the life we choose. I agree. It sure does. So so let's just jump into it here. Let's, let's get into the meat here. All right. Um, you write about those three primary principles from quantum physics that enable us to live the lives that we choose. So, so there's embracing uncertainty and the fact that the universe is in a pure state of potential and that the universe appears fundamentally inseparable. Now, let's start with the concept of embracing uncertainty, okay? Why okay. is that so important? Perfect place to talk, okay. to, for us to start. Cool. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a TEDx talk yeah. on over, overcoming anxiety. Yep. It's not out yet, but it will be coming out on YouTube. My premise is this. Anxiety and fear come from our need to know the future. Mm. We become addicted to certainty. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts become addicted to needing to know the future in advance. Yeah. This, is, this came to us from 17th century thinking, Sir Isaac Newton, yes. known as determinism. Mm-hmm. Newton taught us, if we have enough information, enough data, we can predict the future. Now, yep. taken to the extreme, we sit back and instead of engaging life, we're trying to predict the future. We become wed to the certainty. So we start to live life as though we're playing a chess match. We're sitting back and calculating our next move. Right. We become afraid of making decisions, fearful of making what we, what we call mistakes. Mm-hmm. But quantum physics revealed in the early 20th century, that reality is altogether uncertain. Mm. I view that as great news. Yes. Because you see, uncertainty equals possibility. Yes. So I teach my readers and I teach my clients and workshop attendees that when we can change our relationship with uncertainty, embrace it and invite it in, we're no longer stuck. 
we're no longer mired in fear. Yes. So the embrace of uncertainty, which, by the way, is reality. So right. if we try to avoid reality, we're going to set up anxiety, depression, and fear. Sure. Let's embrace the reality of uncertainty, and that gives us the underpinning for all the possibility we want. Now, yes. the second principle is that reality mm-hmm. exists right. in a state of pure potential. Right. So what this really means is that in the moment before, in quantum physics, in the moment before the observation is made, nothing exists. Everything's suspended in a state of pure potential. So I considered, metaphorically speaking, right. that in the nanosecond before I become my next thought, I, too, am in a state of pure potential. Mm. But if I keep having the same old thoughts, right. I never access that potential. Right. So much of my book, or a good chunk of the book, is devoted to teaching the reader how you can break free from old thoughts and access new potential and new possibility into your life. Right. The it's... third principle mm-hmm. is inseparability. There was a um, famous thought debate between Einstein and another physicist named Niels Bohr in the 1930s. And it had to do with quantum photons, and we won't get into the science too much, but simply put, these photons, which are light particles, they they come as pairs. Right. And if they had an entangled state, which meant they were almost as one, Mm -hmm. they developed a relationship. Right. And that relationship said that if one photon had a negative rotation, the other, its twin, would have a positive. So the debate went like this. If we took these two photons (laughs) and separated them by a great distance, let's say half a universe, and we changed the spin of one, what would happen to the other? Mm -hmm. Well, both physicists agreed that the other would have to change its spin because they have to correlate. Right. The question was, how long would it take? Yes. Einstein said, well, a signal would be sent. It couldn't travel faster than the speed of light. Niels Bohr said, no signal needs to be sent. They are inseparable, no matter how far apart. Hmm. That caused Einstein to say, if this were true, I'd rather be a cobbler than a scientist, right. and on and on. Right, right. Some years after Einstein passed away, technology was finally available to test the theory. Einstein lost. Uh-oh. And in every ensuing <laughs> test, we find that the quantum world is inseparable. It is as one. It's what Carl Jung called unus mundus. It's mm. what mystics in Eastern religion often talk about as one world, right. inseparable. Yes. Now we're finding increasing evidence that that same inseparability exists on our everyday macro level of yes. human existence. Yes. Now, what's the advantage here? Everything. Right. Right. Whether we look at war, prejudice, racism. Mm. all the way down to our personal relationships, which may have begun with love and have deteriorated into conflict and self-interest. They're due to this belief of separation. Right. Where did the belief come from? Back to our friend Isaac Newton. (laughs) Newton told us reality was comprised of a giant machine, machine-like universe, comprised of separate parts. This was called a mechanistic universe. Right. So from that philosophy... We became the cogs in the machine, separate and distinct from each other. There's no meaning in that. There's no purpose in that. And that worldview, I believe, led us to intense competition, Mm -hmm. um, greed, 
and the need to win, mm-hmm. which we see everywhere, particularly in our political system. Oh, today. God, yes. So Absolutely. now inseparability, and there are several chapters in my book devoted to this, mm-hmm. actually allows us to live by the golden rule. Because if you and I are as one, mm. well, then everything I can do to benefit your life Right. and support your life, yes. must in fact benefit and support my life. Yes, absolutely. You see, then do unto the other makes perfect sense. The science supports it. So yes. I've developed methods and techniques for new ways of communicating and relating based upon inseparability. You know, we began that way. Yes, exactly. If you fell in love, right. you began feeling as one. Yes. And that, by the way, required uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde said uncertainty is the essence of romance. So but after true. a while, we retreat into separation. Okay. So I use these three principles, uncertainty, potentiality, and inseparability, to teach the readers how to overcome anxiety and depression, develop authentic, powerful self-esteem, mm-hmm. thrive in your relationships, and feel powerful in your thought process and in your communication. Yes, and, and it, it really does. I love the way that you roll it out in your book. Uh, by the way, in case you just tuned in here, you're on the couch with Dr. Michelle here. We're on the uh, on the couch with my special guest, Mel Schwartz. He's a psychotherapist, uh, and he is uh, he does everything. Uh, helps so many people, and uh, he's a marriage counselor, psychotherapist, author, speaker, and he has a private practice in Westport, Connecticut. We're going to tell you how you can get a hold of his book that we're talking about today which is the possibility principle, how quantum physics can improve the way you think, live, and love, and also to get hold of his other books as well and find out more about Mel and uh, what you can learn from him. And, of course, his TED Talk will be coming out, and uh, we'll get you into that too as well as uh, how you can really you know, communicate with Mel and uh, learn from him as well. So the three main principles we were just talking about, so we have the embracing uncertainty, uh, which is so important. It's, it's sort of like allowing, which, which, you know, that's in my terms. Allow, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way I think about it. You know, people who ruminate on the what-ifs, they're always waiting and planning their life because they have to know what's going on. The anxiety and fear, because yeah. they've they got to figure it out. They've got to know the end result. So it, it's a matter of sort of you guide them through changing that, um, and you give tools, and uh, that's so important to do. So the the universe is in a pure state of potential to review, right? Um, we're going to talk about how to break free from that, <laughs> the break free from your old habits, guys, and um, also you know talking about the inseparability. We are all connected, and how important that is, you know, in physics. And I, and I also want to, you know, elaborate a little bit on how we're finding and noticing coincidences that turn up in our lives. That's not coincidences. <laughs> That's being connected to everyone. That's that you're just starting to notice that we are all connected and, and um, things, things are happening around you for a reason. Um, so... If you were to give, you know, our listeners a little bit of help with understanding how they can embrace uncertainty a little bit better because of the ruminators, because of the people who have even, you know, uh, on a a stronger level, anxiety disorders who always need to know what's going on because they have to, you know, manage their unresolved fears going on because they were always uncertain and had to be hypervigilant, let's just say. How how can we better manage that? 
Well, I, I, I have a simple two-pronged approach. First is the philosophical, yeah. which is, as we have been discussing, to try to seek certainty is to continue to walk into a wall. <laughs> it is unachievable. Right. Can't be done. Yep. And that leads you toward trying to control your life and others, which leads to a miserable experience of life. Yeah. So counterintuitively, we have to shift our relationship with our thinking. Yes. Once we understand that uncertainty is good news, not bad news, we, that we've been living life from the wrong game plan from right. 17th century <laughs> science and thinking. And there's a new game plan that can allow us to thrive. We yeah. start with that. Then the question is, how do we do it? First thing you do is you shift your relationship with your thoughts. Be aware of and watch your thoughts that are seeking certainty. And just try to quiet them. Kind of put your finger up, uh, your forefinger up to your lips and go, shh, when you see those <laughs> thoughts seeking certainty. Right. You know, the most important relationship you will ever have yes. isn't with your parents, your children, your spouse, your partner. The relationship that will impact you far more than any other relationship is with your thoughts. Yes. They're your constant companions. So what we need to do is learn to see the thoughts that are insisting upon certainty. Mm-hmm. And in that nanosecond before you become that thought, yes. choose differently. That's what I call thinking. Thinking is the ability to step back and see your thoughts. Yes. Choosing differently is what would happen if I embrace not knowing? What if? You know, yes. what if can be positive. It yes. can be full of hope and inspiration and wonder. What if can be negative and frightful? Right. People who have what if in a fearful way and to be seeking certainty. Mm. People who are open to wonder and enchantment, what if embrace uncertainty? Yes. See, this seeking certainty is the absence of wonder and imagination. The depression epidemic that we see right. is primarily due to the fact that wonder is no longer honored in our lives. Yes. We are living life like it's a mathematical equation. And the epidemic of anxiety as well is due to being wed to certainty. Once we can see that uncertainty is our ally, yes. we can shift everything. Boy, does that make sense. And, and in your book, uh, by the way, The Possibility Principle, you do share with readers how to use some of those tools in order to make that shift. And a, a lot yes, it, it, yes, it is a step-by-step process, and I share lots of reader exercises and lots of anecdotes that I've learned in my own therapy practice. There's nothing here that I am, have written about or I'm talking about yes. that I haven't either experienced personally yes. or professionally in my practice. Mm, it's true. I mean, that's, it's, and that's the best kind of uh, book from the author who's been there and done that and has learned it all. So, and it's still in a state yeah. of learning and open to it, which is lovely. Um, by the way, I am getting some emails uh, from you guys, and I thank you so much. Uh, StraightTalkDoc at gmail.com. If you have a question or comment for Mel, we'd love to hear from you. StraightTalkDoc at gmail.com here on LA Talk Radio. You are on the couch with Dr. Michelle, my special guest, of course, Mel Schwartz. He's uh, an amazing psychotherapist. Uh, He's written a a wonderful new book. It's called The Possibility Principle, How Quantum Physics Can Improve the Way You Think, Live, and Love. And we're also going to uh, tell you how you can find out more 
about uh, Mel and pick up his book and his other amazing books um, that we can... Gosh, I'd love to have you back to talk about your other books, Mel. There's way, not well, enough time. I, I, I would love to. You know, the first book I wrote was yeah. called The Art of Intimacy, The Pleasure of Passion. Yes. I, I, I think you'd enjoy it. And, you know, we can get together again and discuss that one. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. I would love to do that. And they are all interconnected about making your life beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, the potentiality. You also teach readers uh, in the book, and, and it is. It's sort of uh, almost like a workbook style, but it, it's teaching the reader how to break free and, and allow yourself to understand that the universe is in a pure state of potential, always changing and always moving. Is it, is it hard to change those you know, neural patterns, those habitual neural patterns? We go back to those things for comfort and to keep us in that place of, you know, well, you see, I, I find that often it's, it's, they're not comfortable. Yeah. They're just familiar. Yes. So think, so whatever we struggle with becomes altogether familiar, but it's mm. not really comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I've changed my language. I don't call it a comfort zone any longer. Okay. I call it a familiar zone. That's good. So is it hard? Well, number one, do you want to change? Right. Presumably... If you're not interested in changing, you're <laughs> not working with a therapist or not listening to your show. Yep. So my assumption is someone wants to change. Now, what happens as I begin to explain the approaches for change, I inquire and I ask somebody, are you aware of what your thoughts are telling you mm. right now? Mm-hmm. And notice the way I phrase that. Yes. What your thoughts are telling you. Yes. The thoughts are subjective. Yes. And often I'll hear well, Mel, what you're saying sounds hard to do. <laughs> and, I, and then I will ask, that's an interesting thought. I'll comment, that's an interesting uh-huh. thought. Right, right. Have you ever tried doing what I'm proposing? Hmm. No. In fact, hmm. I've never heard of it. Hmm. So why do you think it's hard to do? You see, what happens is old thought defends its territory. Right. It doesn't want to leave. So old thought tells you, oh, this is hard to do. Or it tells you, you're never going to be able to do this. Yes. You have to ask yourself, what's informing that thought? Mm-hmm. Maybe those thoughts are coming from your childhood. Right. Core beliefs you've had about yourself, and they're just playing out. Yes. So what I try to do is teach my readers how to identify their core beliefs about themselves, mm-hmm. good and bad and challenging, yep. that came from their childhood. Yes. We don't have to be stuck yes. to the identity we have experienced. When we say the universal, the universe is in pure potential, we are part of that universe. Yes. We are in pure potential. Because mm. if we keep having the same old beliefs and same old thoughts, we don't break through. Right. So what I do is I teach people to see the old beliefs and old thoughts. Ask, how did I come to that belief? Mm-hmm. Very often I came to that belief because mm-hmm. of an experience, perhaps traumatic or subtle. Yep. Something I heard, something someone said to me. I was working with a woman who struggles with very low self-esteem. Yes. And she shared with me that when she was nine years old, her mother told her that her pregnancy with her was unplanned. Uh, right. That, I, that experience, that geez, message set yes. up her core belief of I'm not of value. Yes. I wasn't wanted and I'm not lovable. I call that a wave collapse. There is a chapter in my book about what I mean by wave collapse. Right. It sets in motion yes. your notion of self. 
Now, I will teach you then to see that primary belief, understand where it came from. It's just a belief. It's not the truth. And how we can break free of the torrent of old thought that keeps replicating the old belief. Once we do that, that's what I call thinking. Yes, Thinking exactly. is the ability to see the old thought. And you're thinking there's something much wiser occurring where you're really in charge. You're more than just your thoughts. Yes, exactly. You are so right. That's exactly beautiful. I love that. I was just uh, checking out a, uh, an email here, straighttalkdoc at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And it's, it just jumped out, see, from the universe. Why did that happen, Mel? Uh, Molly, <laughs> Molly just. Wrote, oh, happy to get into that. <laughs> okay, we will. Molly just wrote an email here. It said, "Thanks so much for talking about this subject. I really need some help. I was always the most unfavorite of the children in my family. I'm the middle child of two other sisters. My dad was unemotional and critical, and my mother never stood up for me. I don't feel good about myself. I don't think I'm smart enough or lovable." How can I change these thoughts based on your theories? Thank you, Molly. That's great stuff. Wow. Well, Molly, I would say to you, it's important to step back and understand that because of those experiences with your mother and father, your sense of yourself, your identity became constrained, mm. limited. Mm. Now it's up to you to learn how to change it. Mm. And you can only do this by breaking free of equating those beliefs and thoughts with being the truth. They're not the truth. They're your experience. But you can change your experience now. And the way to change the experience is to ask yourself, what if? Right. What if I had had different experiences? What if I am smart enough, good enough, lovable enough, and I just don't know it? Yes. This this catalyzes new thinking. It's, It's as though you're reading a book And the book you're reading, you're also writing. And you've lived four chapters of the book, and you're the protagonist, and you are Molly as you know Molly. Mm -hmm. Now you turn the page to chapter five, and it hasn't been written yet. Mm. Now, how can you choose to write a different book? This requires engaging some dissonance. Yes. Which is, what if I'm not who I thought I was? I wrote an article many years ago called, Who Am I? Uh And in that article, I suggest that who am I is the wrong question because it's a, it proposes that there's a specific fixed answer to the question. Right. Instead of asking who am I, Molly, ask yourself how would I like to experience my life? Yes. Now, that's forward moving. What are the tools you will need to experience your life differently? This is altogether achievable. Once you learn to access new thinking and understand that once you let go from and separate from old thought and embrace new thinking, you get to live the life that you choose. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Molly, so much for emailing us. And uh, thanks, Mel. That that was lovely. And um, again, uh, you can listen to the show, Molly, if you need to listen to this again and hear what Mel told you. Uh, we're up in the archives right after we get off the air, and then we'll have content uh, in there tomorrow for you to get more information about how you can get Mel's book, The Possibility Principle, and learn these concepts and use these tools as well. So thank you so much for reaching out. We do have some other emails coming in, but I'd like to just sort of focus on some of my own 
you know, I'm going to get my questions answered because I want to learn more Go about for it. <laughs> I'm going to be narcissistic here. I'm selfish. Uh, um, yeah, we talked about at the beginning of the show, you and I, about the epidemic of emotional and psychological unrest in our world going on. So what, what do you think the main cause is for this? I mean, what, what is going well, on? <laughs> I, to me, the epidemic is due to two things. Hmm. One is we're living by that old game plan. Right. That game plan that we need to predict with certainty, mm-hmm. which leads to anxiety, and also that we're separate from each other without meaning mm-hmm. and purpose. Those right. were the themes of 17th century thinkers, Newton and Descartes. Now, if you experience your life as a separate cog in a machine, in a dog-eat-dog world, and that you have to successfully predict the future, Mm-hmm. You're living a life of fear and disconnection. Right. So it sets up all of this existential crisis that we experience. Secondly, we live in a culture that has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. And by crazy, I don't mean us, the people. It's the whole concept of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wrote a number of articles in which I suggested that the DSM, right. which for the listeners who don't know DSM is the psychiatric bible of our diagnosis, right. that there should be a new diagnosis in DSM. Mm-hmm. And that diagnosis is that they don't understand that a diagnosis is not a real thing. Right. It's something we made up. Yes. It's words that we put together right. to describe what we think we say. Right. And as a description, it's fine. So yeah. decades ago, the psychiatrists in the DSM heard that there's a lot of things going on with people not having enough attention or being hyperactive. Mm-hmm. So they put together a description, ADHD, right. attention deficit hyperactive disorder, mm-hmm. as a description that's fine. Right. But then we turn that thought into a thing. Someone has ADHD. You can't have it because it doesn't exist. You may be troubled by uh, distractibility. We can work with that. Right. A woman came to see me several years ago Uh um, in her early 40s with two children. Her husband had just left her abruptly for another woman. He was having an affair. She didn't have any financial um, stability. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she had seen a psychiatrist who wanted to medicate her for depression. Mm -hmm. I said to her, if she weren't feeling depressed, I'd be concerned. That's a situational depression. Exactly. And so what we do is we turn real-life experiences into pathology, and we victimize the victims. Right. There's a better way. There's an entire chapter in my book called The Pathologizing of a Culture. Yes. Which yes. is, these labels don't help when we become the label. Oh, if you so think true. of it as a description, right. it's okay. Now, why do we do this? Billions upon Billions, if not mm-hmm. trillions of dollars, mm-hmm. are spent on medication yes, and diagnosis. That's right. Now, I'm not opposed to medication right. in all circumstances. Yes. yes, There are times when it's warranted, but if it's the first place to go, one out of three people in their lifetimes in the United States will be diagnosable as having an anxiety disorder. 
that's such a staggering epidemic. Oh, Why aren't we asking, how come? Why is this happening? If exactly. This, <laughs> yeah. If this happened yeah. on a medical level, the Center for Disease Control would be working overtime for the solution. Why aren't we doing that here? Well, one, there's a vested interest in the pharmaceutical industry to keep that epidemic going. Sure. It creates enormous profits. But all that said, coming back to operating from the old world view, it mm-hmm. does set up fear it sure and anxiety does. and depression. It's then exacerbated right. by the financial opportunizing of all these conditions. Boy, how's it That's ever- why I think yeah. we suffer the way we do. Beautifully said, Mel. Thank you so much. No, it's true. Um, and how many times have you had, you know, patients come in to you, as, as I have, and they say, oh, you know, uh, my, my father has bipolar, my grandmother had bipolar disorder. And, I mean, you know, these are true, you know, th- th- that's the most genetically loaded uh, disorder, supposedly inheritable disorder that we have in the DSM, supposedly, ICD-10. Yes, um, and, 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 and <laughs> of yeah. course, there, there are different ways of looking at that, Michelle. Right, right. My explanation is, if you grew up in that environment, why would you be surprised that you're stimulating it? <laughs> That's you, know, right. you know, here's the way I look at that whole conundrum. Mm. If you're walking at the beach and you look in the sand behind you, you see a footprint in the sand. Mm-hmm. Your foot left its mark in the sand. When we think that our brain, that the brain chemistry creates anxiety, creates depression, I think we've got it backwards. Mm. Our thoughts leave their mark on the brain, just like our foot left its mark in the sand. You know, studies of deep meditators, um, studies uh, promulgated by the Dalai Lama, indicated the brain chemistry of people who meditate is altogether different. Yes. So if you don't, if you don't experience fearful, right. fragmented mm-hmm. thoughts, your brain chemistry alters. Mm. So I yeah. believe it all originates with thought and consciousness. I agree. No, I really, it's really fascinating to, to go deeper in that. And, and it's easier, I think, to say, you know, well, my relative had this. Or, no, no, it's what you observed growing up. It's what you embraced, the chaos, the drama, you know, yeah. all of that, you know, happening. So for the most part, do you think antidepressants and mood stabilizers, uh, well, benzodiazepines are tranquilizers, of course, but <laughs> are, these, are these placebos? For, for uh, uh, in a lot of situations, do you believe? Do people believe that they're oh, well, feeling I, better? I, I, I think that in many they are. And, it, you know, I, I love that question because I think we're missing the mark in regard to placebo. Mm-hmm. We all accept that medically a placebo is about as effective as the real medication. Yeah. But yeah. There's, so, there's a takeaway there that we're missing, mm-hmm. which is, so a placebo means that my mind can heal my body mm. if it thinks there's a drug there. So my mind can heal my body. Right. My mind can heal my emotions. See, we're not, we're not <laughs> running with the great takeaway there, mm-hmm. which moves us to the mind-body connection. Yeah, sure. And in my book, I propose there's no mind-body connection yes. because there's no mind-body separation. <laughs> the word connection go. is a false <laughs> word. Yes. Mind and body are as one. Why would we ever think that mind and body were separate? Yes. Because Descartes, in the 17th century, said, I think, therefore I am. Mm. He literally (laughs) severed the mind and the body. Yes, he did. Mind and body are like the head and tail of a coin, part of the same coin. Mm. 
Mm. Mind and body are as one. So similarly, if somebody says to you, it's something psychosomatic, it's all in your mind, and that's why you're feeling poorly physically. Well, again, why wouldn't that make sense? Yes. What's in my mind is in my body, and what's in my body is in my mind. We need to unify our thinking and begin to think in wholeness. Oh. Mind and body are as one. You and I are as one. The universe and I are as one. You see, it's wholeness that heals the human spirit. We're taught to think in fragmented ways. It's as though we're going through life with binoculars attached to us. We get only a small slice of reality. Yes. And we miss true. the whole. And that's why we don't have deeper intuition, experiences of synchronicity, like mm. you were referring to earlier. Mm. Yeah, we, there's a deeper, yeah. more intuitive way of knowing. Right. That doesn't just rely on your intellect. It's very profound. Yes. Yeah. It's it is. It, it, there's a lot of there's a lot more um, value to the concepts of meditation and just um, the relationship with you and yourself and your thoughts and the quietness and listening and just allowing <clears throat> that to come through. Instead of all the noise yeah. from the past, you know, I so get that, and that's you put it so beautifully in your book, the possibility principle. Um, as I scroll through some of the emails here too, I'm, I'm trying to find something that I I think is perfect for the continuation of <laughs> what I wanted to ask you as well. Uh, so um, we are, yeah, getting this from Brian right now. It says, how can I apply your book to help with my relationship problems? My fiance and I are arguing all, excuse me, arguing all the time about stupid things, and I'm starting to resent her. So what would help me in your book? Boy, I, I, wish, we, I wish we had two hours, <laughs> Brian, but I'll just touch on a few now, and then you can read the book or go to the blog on my website and get a lot of more thorough answers. Mm -hmm. um, in my book, there's a, a in the communication section, there's a piece called the 5% rule. And it's this. When we fall into an argument, our tendency is that our thought wants to defend itself. I want to defend myself. So I look for what you said that's wrong, and I can then try to prove you wrong. Mm. Now, in a relationship, if I need to be right, that means you need to be wrong. Well, we can imagine where that relationship will go. So I developed a technique, and I call it the 5% rule, which is when you're hearing the other and you're in a con conflicted argument, instead of looking for the part you're sure they're wrong about mm -hmm. and refuting them, do the opposite. Look for a small percentage, and I just chose 5%. Mm -hmm. Look for a small percentage that you can agree with. It doesn't mean you're surrendering to everything else. But if you can find a small piece to agree with and validate the other person, they now feel heard and understood. Now, if they feel heard and understood, they're going to be in the position to hear you. It shifts the energy of the relationship. The other technique is that we need to learn to speak subjectively. Come back for a moment to the new worldview. The universe is inseparable. Nothing stands apart from anything else. That means... There's no such thing as objectivity. Yes. Objectivity doesn't exist. Everything affects everything. In relationships and in communication, speak.
speaking objectively is the death knell of a relationship. Mm. Brian, if you say to her, you are, or you say to her, I am, objective statements, your feet are locked in cement. Speak subjectively. Start your sentence in the first person. Mm. Say, I experience you as this. Here's how I feel when you talk to me that way. Mm. If we speak through feelings, mm. somebody can't say to you you're wrong because <laughs> feelings and perceptions aren't wrong or right. right. I remember years ago, yeah. um, in an uh, earlier marriage, I used to say to my former wife, as we were going to sleep at night, it's hot in here. I was making an objective statement. <laughs> right. It is hot in here. <laughs> and she'd say, no, it isn't. And there we were. <laughs> right. So I learned... Foolishly, it took me a while. I learned to say, you know, I feel hot. There you go. You couldn't say you don't feel hot, <laughs> right? I don't know there's an immediate resolution. <laughs> I feel hot. I feel upset. I feel angry. I feel misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I feel put upon. Right. I feel, I think, I start with I. Mm-hmm. That's the communication technique. Right. Then there are other techniques I share, like shared meaning. Mm-hmm. Shared meaning is. We will argue about a word. Uh, she may say to you, Brian, you don't know how to be intimate. Right. And you'll get upset. I don't know how to be intimate. Are you <laughs> kidding? And I, I work with a couple of say, time out, guys. Yeah. Let's share a meaning about what this word intimate means. Because, see, we argue about things. Yes. But the word or the phrase means two different things. Yeah. She meant emotional intimacy. You meant physical intimacy. It becomes an incoherent communication. Yes. So I have two chapters in the book on communication, and it's more than simply getting past the conflict, mm-hmm. how you can thrive. And again, embracing uncertainty, very important in a relationship. If you're sure how you're going to complete each other's sentences, then nothing can play out differently. When a relationship gets steeped in certainty, not good. We're not really present. Mm. Is that true? Beautiful. Brian, thank you so much for emailing us, and I know that helped you. And you've got to pick up the book, by the way, because it it will help you out. And there are tools in here, everybody, that um, you need to think about and work with. And, uh, you know, Mel's been doing this for a very long time, and he's uh, based a lot of his work, um, uh, psychoanalytic, Jungian, cognitive behavioral therapy. He takes everything, uh, all the disciplines, into account, and he, he puts it into his toolbox. This is what he's done. And, uh, of course, then he uh, introduces the concepts of quantum physics, which are, which are real. <laughs> I mean, it's it's physics, people. It's science. And we, we all are one. And, and these three principles that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show are so profound when we use them and, um, again, follow through some of the suggestions, all the suggestions, that Mel Schwartz has here in the book. Um, If you were to just sort of give some simple advice, a suggestion to listeners before we have to get off the air here, who are Mm -hmm. having a rough time in their lives right now, who are not happy with their current situations, you know, and keep ruminating about, oh, my life sucks, basically. (laughs) Um, what simple advice, what beautiful gems <laughs> could you give to our listeners before we leave? Well, there's so many different yeah. ways I can go with that, so I'm just going to let one of the ways come up for cool. me. Cool. Um, I would ask myself, can I identify 
how I'm part of the problem, how it may not be external. Some, sometimes we think our problems are external to us. Life's unfair to me. I'm not lucky. Right. My partner is not good. My boss doesn't understand. But sometimes our problems are internal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the majority of us struggle with low self-esteem. Sure. And so I would ask the question of what would it look like? How would my life have to appear for me to feel better yeah. about myself and my life? Mm-hmm. What would that vision look like? Yep. That's step one. Step two would be, well, how can I get there? What would I have to change in my beliefs about myself and others? What would I have to change in my thoughts and thinking about myself and others? What fears do I need to overcome? Mm. What parts of my personality are old and tired that don't serve me any longer? That I'm ready to shed mm-hmm. so I can break through and grow. Ask yourself questions like that. Get Beautiful. involved in a very participatory way yes. with the reality making of your life. Perfect. Beautiful, Mel. Thank you so much for being a guest here on the couch. Again, guys, you can you're check. You're very welcome. Oh, you're amazing. Uh, the book's called The Possibility Principle, How Quantum Physics Can Improve the Way You Think, Live, and Love. And we just tipped the iceberg today on the show, guys. So check it out, melschwartz.com, www.melschwartz.com. You'll find out so much about him. And, of course, he's all over the Internet. So if you just Google his name, there he is. He pops up in his other wonderful books uh, that will help you out. But I really encourage you guys to get a hold of this because it's amazing. And our shows are up in the archives as of one minute. So you can uh, replay, download the show if you'd like, and also on iTunes podcasts on the couch. Mel, you're the best. So appreciate your time yeah, thank today. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Take good care, and uh, I'll you look forward have to... Have a great weekend. You Stay too. Safe. Look forward to talking with you again. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye-bye. All right, again, Mel Schwartz, awesome, amazing educated will help you out if you read this book guys just change your life see that's what it's about dr michelle here i'm off the couch (laughs) do take care of yourself first and then you'll be great for others that's the way it works in the world i'll be back next week with more exciting authors talking about changing your life and your self-esteem your relationship thanks for listening guys bye-bye Flashing rays are coming